Hi, I'm Susanna Keith, founder and CEO of Hello Career Guru, Inc. We so appreciate your listening to our podcast. Hello Career Guru, Inc. is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally, no matter what age, background, income, geography, or race. Hello Career Guru offers women one unifying online platform for developing their personalized career game plan, which is powered by executive C-suite insights. For this episode of our Hello Career Guru Salon, we have my brilliant, incredible, and dear friend from college, Grace Bulger. When we first met in college, we bonded over our background of growing up in the South. Grace is now a marketing executive who is a partner and chief vision vision officer, chief vision officer in an advertising agency slash marketing service firm. She began her career as a communications professional at a division of GE Capital, where she became one of the youngest VPs at GE at age 26. She left GE after several years to run her own small firm doing marketing consulting and branding. And during that time, she wrote an incredible book called The Enlightened Entrepreneur, a spiritual approach to creating and marketing a company, which then led her to speaking and lecturing at places like Northwestern University and Marquis University. And in addition, she led workshops. Eventually, she left her own firm to lead marketing for a technology company for several years. After that company was acquired almost three years ago, she created an exciting new venture with partners that is still evolving. Hi, Susie. It's so great to be here. I've really enjoyed seeing Hello Career Guru from the initial inception, your first idea to where it is now. It's absolutely amazing. Grace, we so appreciate your support. And another thing that's super interesting about you is that Grace interspersed her marketing exploits with creative pursuits, including sketch comedy and improv, and even founding one of the first all-women sketch comedy groups in Chicago, and writing, directing, and performing in Chicago and New York, including at Sketchfest, the Chicago Sketch Company Festival, the, one of the largest in the world for the first seven years of its existence, as well as a New York City Fringe Festival. And Susie, my only regret there is that you weren't part of our team. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have a similar background. I don't know if your, your followers know that. I don't know if they know that I did improv comedy for a while. So uh, that's definitely something great for everybody to know. Grace, (laughs) let's dig into the questions. Okay. Tell us about your career trajectory since college when we met and what superpower helped you along the way, as well as your sense of humor. (laughs) Uh, The superpower question, that's really interesting. Um, I think I'm going to start there and then go through the career trajectory. So um, in terms of superpower, it has to be following my heart and my intuition. And for me and for my career, that was really important because my mind would have taken me in the wrong direction. So I needed a lot of nudging to get onto my path. 
And that is because I never wanted to be in business. It was never something that I imagined doing or wanted to do. I always wanted to be a writer and my whole family came from academics and medicine. So I never even considered business. I assumed I would be a professor and my whole career, especially the first 10, 15 years happened while I wasn't taking it seriously, but was looking elsewhere. So on one level, as I was living it, my career felt like a meandering path, but looking back on it, it's made total sense. I've been doing the same things since my very first jobs in college, where I worked in the alumni office, for example, in the newsletter or the sports information office, writing press releases. And um, in the summers, I planned and publicized arts events at the Texas Medical Center in Houston. So I look back on it now and I'm like, I've been doing the same things for this entire time. But um, I started in academics in a PhD program at University of Texas, which would have been a fine life. It would have been great, but I wasn't that passionate about it. So I ended up leaving and moving to Chicago uh, for a boyfriend, which is a reason people move to Chicago. I don't know if you know that, probably the number one reason. Um, at least for me. And uh, then getting a job at GE as an intern for a short period of time. I was planning to go to a different a different program at Yale in sociology. So I thought I'd try another field. Maybe it would feel better, fit better than, than my first attempt at academics. But then I loved GE. So it was sort of the later years of Jack Welch. And the focus was on empowerment and engaging employees' hearts and minds, innovation, change acceleration. And I just loved it. So what was supposed to be an interlude as I was waiting for, you know, my real life for this sort of academic thing that I was raised to, to do um, was actually something that was fantastic. And I wasn't afraid of anything. I jumped in. I started teams on diversity and community service, a school mentorship program with the gifted school on the south side of Chicago. I was doing creative like live performances of the employee newsletter. And it was all just sort of the perfect time for that type of thing. And I quickly sort of came to the attention of the upper leaders, even being flown to Connecticut to meet Jack Welch and all of that. So it just was one of those little accidents. And I just was having such a great time. And uh, within a year and a half through a series of lucky accidents, I was made the VP of communications and things took off from there. So um, that's how it all started. And um, it was a pure, pure accident. So it's just making those decisions um, that come from your heart, even though they don't fit with your own plan. Grace, that's just such an incredible story of how you made it to the top in the C-suite. And as you know, we've heard from a lot of our C-suite women, it's really important to be your authentic self. And, and you nailed it there. You really did. So I see why that career, it was meant to be, definitely meant to be. <laughs> So in Marketing Grace, you have been on both the client side and the agency side. Do you think that is important for a marketing person? Yeah, I really do. I think both for myself, and I always recommend this to people going into marketing, you get a, a very different view. So when you are on the client side and you have the ultimate responsibility for what your, your um, group is doing and how marketing is being done at that company, 
it's one thing you, you know, you own that and you see that through and that's really, really gratifying, but because you're the one with the money, when you're working with agencies, you get to make the decisions and you might think that you're making these great decisions because you get to make them (laughs) on the agency side. You get to see a lot of different companies and you realize that a lot of companies have similar problems, but they address them differently. So you can see what works and what doesn't. You can see that there's an infinite number of ways to do things and you can learn a lot quickly and get your skills up to speed. So I've really gone back and forth. And when I'm in an agency for a long period of time, ultimately I start feeling like, oh, I wish I could have taken that to fruition. I wish I could have seen how that whole thing played out. And I wish I could, you know, go in and take control of the branding there. And, you know, so sometimes I get that I want to go and I want to really own it and see it through. So that's where I, I tend to switch back and forth. And then when I'm, you know, in the client shoes and I'm on that side, I kind of um, get interested in what's happening in other industries, what's happening in other in other companies. So for me, it's been an interesting way to learn. And I also sort of intersperse creative pursuits with corporate pursuits. So I always keep myself interested in learning by sort of um, putting on different hats. Oh, Grace, that's that's so exciting. And I love, you know, you completely match what we hear from our C-suite data set that's about have hobbies that often can tie to your work passions. Don't just do work, you know, do things that make you happy as well. And it sounds like you really have found a career that does make you happy, especially like being at the center of so many new trends, innovations, social media, digital media content. So given all, given all these things that you've seen, what new ideas or trends are exciting to you? Well, actually, there are a couple. So the first one is the concept that brands have to be content creators and storytellers. And that's going beyond, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, what was really as exciting was we all have to be our own news desk. We have to create our own thought leadership, write our own articles, et cetera. That was exciting then. But now it's evolving into really creating engaging content that effectively tells our stories. So characters, fictional stories sometimes, engaging creative, all necessary to sort of cut through the clutter. But it's been raised to this other level that I think is really, really fascinating. So um, the second one is the idea that especially recently with COVID, people are engaging with their careers and to a certain extent, their friends and their family through their screens. And are we doing all that we can to really capture imagination and attention effectively in that way? So the use of entertainment and education and sort of making that an essential part of how we communicate and inspire people instead of like this flighty thing on the side that's probably a waste of money but you know you might get a little bit to you know why not try it now it's really an essential part of how we engage and inspire people through our screens so it's sort of the opposite of hypnotizing or manipulating people it's engaging them inspiring them and trying to do that differently and do that better instead of just you know the typical zoom call so this trend obviously pulls on you know all of my past experience in in every way and and i find it very inspirational i haven't found a lot of examples of people doing it well but i think we're going to see more people that are attempting to do this well in the future 
So well said, Grace. I mean, I think what one of the things that we're seeing right now is so many people pivoting their career to being content providers on Zoom. I mean, you even see that happening on Netflix and et cetera. And that's why we find our journey with Hello Career Guru so exciting because we've been able to get content out there that engage people and help them with their careers. Because, you know, you can only watch so much Netflix or drink so much Starbucks, right? <laughs> so <laughs> That's need- right. That's right. You know, you make a good point because you really are on the forefront of this and you are doing this really well. So that is great. And, and I think about the um, Some Good News with John Krasinski, yes. uh, which is so brilliant and how he he did a really good job of this, of bringing in inspiring stories and making people part of the story. Even, um, did you see the episode where he had the entire first cast of Hamilton singing to the little girl? That was brilliant. That was just amazing. So more of that, you know, and, and brands have the opportunity to do that too and make it something beyond just an exchange of information. So well said. So given these trends, Grace, you recently led marketing for a company that was acquired and most of the executives and the marketing team were let go. After being on the acquiring side of multiple acquisitions, what did you learn suddenly being on the other side? Yeah, that that's an interesting scenario because in my career, I've been involved with so many acquisitions and communicating that. And when this one came down the path, I learned about it early, obviously, um, you know, in, in marketing and communications, you're often in on those sort of decisions long before they get out to the rest of the company because you have to, you know, get the company, uh, you have to communicate who you are to get acquired and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, oh, this time I won't have to communicate it because I'm actually on the side being acquired. But then it turned out I did because their communications people were indisposed for that time being. So I communicated it as I knew I was being let go ultimately. But um, it, it was very eye-opening because as sensitive as I thought we were always being, it's very, very different when you're on the other side. And if I, if I have one regret in this, I wish I had had that experience earlier. I've never been on that side. And I think I would have done things differently um, because when, when a large chunk of the company is being let go, you realize you don't really need to impress them with how great you are because you're letting them go. You're not becoming part of that company. It's just a matter of being more sensitive. And what I really learned, um, knowing very early on that my whole team and I and most of my colleagues would be let go, um, it gave me an opportunity. I'm going to mention Hamilton again. The song um, Teach Him How to Say Goodbye kept running through my head because um, I had the opportunity because early on I had the choice of letting people know that I was leaving or not. And I decided to do it, whereas most of the executives waited for several months. I did it early, knowing that my entire team basically would be let go. And I had a day where every 10 minutes I sat there as one of my people was let go, um, which was probably the worst day of my career. But having been already officially, um, it was already announced, I was able to announce that I was leaving. I was able to set the example of being helpful, going through the process, still being constructive and working with the acquiring company and sort of um, being a good example 
because it's a small world and you run into the same people over and over. That company is now one of our biggest clients, some of my best friends. Um, you know, I'm still working with all the people that I was before in different ways because a lot of people are at different companies, they've become clients. So I really realized that you have an opportunity to be classy, to be compassionate, to be honest. Um, to be a good example for people and really, you know, show them how to say goodbye um, and show yourself how to say goodbye. So it was a very, very interesting experience. Wow, Grace, that's that must have been life changing, just like when you watch Hamilton, right? <laughs> <laughs> at, at any rate, you know, given that experience, it sounds that, you know, you were part of industries that were traditionally very male dominating. Yes. including transportation, financial services, or technology. How did you carve out a place at the table amongst solely male executive teams? Well, that's interesting because the first time I was on an executive team, I was 26. I looked about 16. I had just been promoted from being an intern and people thought literally I was in high school. I was a high school intern. I looked so young. And all of a sudden I became this VP and people thought it was a joke, you know, people just couldn't fathom it. So I was in a unique situation and there were 18 people on the team. There was one other woman and a lot of the guys on the team gave me a lot of advice. Like, you know, you have to act differently. You have to be more of an S1, like a, that's a, a management style of being more directive. You have to act this way or that way. And I knew for me, if I tried it, and I did try it once or twice to very bad effect, it would not be taken well because that isn't who I am. Five minutes ago, I was somebody else, you know? So I have to be honest and be myself. So I realized pretty young and pretty quickly that I had to find my own way to lead and to contribute. And I had to be very confident but also humble at the same time, because I really didn't know so much. I, I didn't know, I didn't know so much that I wasn't afraid. I was confident, but I think it's very important to be humble and you're going to make mistakes. So to be able to say, wow, I don't know what I was thinking. That was a big mistake. Um, I'm sorry. And what should I have done? You know, ask for help. Um, ask for help of your of your colleagues, but I also feel like it's important not to lean too heavily on one or two mentors. I think you have to not completely align with one or two people. You have to be open to multiple members of the team and um, build your relationships. You have to play up your strengths. So people knew that I was creative and they expected creative ideas, but they didn't expect me to understand the finances. And so one of the first things I did was I learned the finances inside out and I learned the business and I learned all the technical stuff. In that job, it was technology and financial services and transportation, right? And so I had to really get in there and learn those things. So get those basics, get, get your weaknesses um, so they're not such weaknesses, make them into strengths. That takes time. But I feel like all of those things are very, very important. And the last thing actually I would say, um, sometimes you have to do the job before you get it. Sometimes you're asked to step up and do things beyond your job description. And that can be a very good sign because they might be testing you for something. So I am one of those people, I never felt entitled. 
I always was happy to step up and do extra work and do the job and prove I could do it before I got it. That unfortunately sometimes is the way. And I don't know if that's necessarily because you're a woman, it may happen more often because you're a woman, but I think, you know, as, as a general rule for any would be executive, you really do have to prove yourself and your emotional maturity and your business acumen and your ability to learn before you get the job. So don't, don't take that as a negative, take that as a positive. Oh, that's Grace. That is just such revealing and candid and honest advice. And we, we thank you for that. And given this, you know, when you were traveling at different parts of your career, did you ever quit a job on the spot? (laughs) Actually I did two times. I quit a job on the spot. And the first time it was, um, It was a a job for an insurance company where I had, they brought me in for 30 days as a trial. And on day two, I realized I didn't want the job. So I had agreed to stay for three to six months while they found someone else. But the executive that I worked for um, had a history of being somewhat abusive and dishonest. And one day she sort of pushed me too far, was very abusive with my people. And I quit on the spot. I not in the room, but I took her outside of the room and I said, I'm leaving. Um, they apologized. I gave them two weeks. I helped them get set up, but I left. The second time, my boss, who was the CMO of a company at the time, basically said, listen, you are never going to be CMO. You'll never be a VP or CMO because you are too nice. It comes across as weak. You're not tough enough to go toe-to-toe with the big guys. Basically, I wasn't macho enough to stand up to the salespeople. And so when I heard this, I said, okay, I will be leaving once I finish these projects and initiatives that I care about and get my team set up, I will be leaving. And I 100% meant it, but the CEO found out about it and eventually um, pretty quickly that uh, the CMO got fired and I ended up getting his job. So (laughs) sometimes that kind of thing happens. You know, to me, it's very, very important that you keep your own Um, your own strength and your own view of yourself. And if you feel like you're getting into a situation that is abusive or impossible for you, you have to be willing to stand up for yourself, even if that means leaving. Grace, I mean, again, you know, giving everything that's happening in our society, that is such an important story. And I think it's really interesting that probably around the same time I had experienced something similar where I happened to wear a red leather skirt to work, which is what everybody's wearing now. And I had a boss tell me that that was not appropriate. And I had a colleague say some things to me that really should never have been said. And so what did I do? Left that job. So I think one of the biggest lessons to leave with our listeners is that don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to say, this is not right. I don't want to be treated this way. So I think that's, you know, thank you so much for sharing those insights with us. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. The one thing I want to say as a caveat too, is leaving is not the only way to handle that. Of course Um, it's, it is a way that, you know, when you've, you've been in a situation and I'm sure in your example as well, there've been enough things leading up to it 
where you've tried to address it and taken it places and, you know, that you feel like it's not going to change, that boss isn't going to change, that company isn't going to change, because it's very important and relevant to take it up with the company and change the company from within. But when you get to that point where you were at and I was at, where you make that kind of decision to leave and hold your self-respect, you've probably already been down that path of working the channels from within, um, or you may have already got, been down that path. But that's a very viable option is to just leave. You are a sovereign being with freedom and you're strong and you will get another job. And I think it's a very empowering thing to do. Grace, I mean, that's so empowering with what everyone is facing right now with job loss. So as a C-suite executive, that is such a you know positive way to look at it, that it's important that we can bring change from within. So given your advice, what, what thought pattern would you give to someone starting a marketing services or ad agency business during these times? Give us a few takeaways from your book. Well, um, I think the most important thing right now is defining success for yourself because success for one person may not be the same thing for another person. So if your goal is to have a very balanced life and your value is to work for a certain culture or to work in a certain industry, you know, be clear on what you want. For example, if your dream is to work in fashion, fashion marketing, to, to my way of thinking, get into that world right off. Even if you're walking in at a very entry-level position, you want to live in New York City and you want to be in fashion marketing. Well, just get your foot in the door. Don't move to Cleveland and get into transportation and think you can jump over later. Just go where you want to be and understand what success is for you. If success is having you know very balanced life and having, you know, working this many hours and having a company with certain values, go find that, you know, be very clear on what you need and what you want um, that is success for you. Because some people it's, you know, I want to be at this level for this type of company. And I don't care if I have to work 90 hours a week, just be very clear because you will, you will quickly find that somebody else's definition of success could overtake you and your life won't be happy. So just be clear on what you want and then make steps toward that. Um, that's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is be very true to yourself. Um, be, be able to um, follow your intuition, follow your heart. If something doesn't feel right, even though your mind tells you it checks all the boxes, really listen to your intuition because it may not make sense in the moment, but ultimately you'll look back on it and it most likely it will make a lot of sense. So Grace, what advice would you tell your younger self? Hmm. I guess I would say keep learning, make sure that you're making a difference and that you're making the world a better place, you're making yourself happy, and you're always expanding. Grace, I tell you, I, I want to do a quick summary of the top three team things we discussed today, but to be honest, you gave so many great lessons. I'll, I'll give it an, an attempt. So I would say number one, lead with empathy. I think everything that you've done across your career, you've always 
been nice. And I think that's, that's critical to being a great, strong leader as you have proven. Secondly, is to be your authentic self, be who you really are. Um, we've heard that loud and clear from our C-suite data set that you really need to follow your passions and be you. And then thirdly, be humble. You know, lots of things happen in your life and we always must be grateful. And I really appreciate how you summed all that up together. So Grace, any other ads and how could our audience find you? Well, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn. And um, I think I think we've really covered everything. I, I think my last piece of advice is continue to follow Hello Career Guru because as I've been listening to the content and looking through it, I've learned quite a bit. So I think uh, it's such a great resource for people starting out. I think it's just amazing. Grace, thanks so much. We so appreciate your time today. Your insights from your exciting career in communications, marketing, the corporate world, and the startup world, as well as the entertainment in industry are so inspiring. Meanwhile, thanks to all who are here today listening to our podcast. Don't forget to check out Grace's book, the Enlightened Entrepreneur, a spiritual approach to creating and marketing a company. In closing, Hello Career Guru Inc. is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally, no matter what age, background, income, geography, or race. Be sure to follow us on social media at Hello Career Guru and reach out to us at guru at hellocareerguru.com with any questions or suggestions for our future podcasts.